Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast where we explore and embrace what it means to live out the feminine genius in our everyday, ordinary lives as Catholic women. I want to give you a little heads up about today's episode subject, either if you normally listen to this podcast with little ears around and as a trigger warning. In today's episode, we're going to be having a conversation about what it's like to be a survivor of sexual abuse and how we can better support sexual abuse survivors. If you're longing for healing after surviving sexual abuse, but you feel alone or abandoned, sister, this letter is for you. We're welcoming to the show Kiki Rocha. She is a public speaker who currently works with the Culture Project, but she's getting ready to launch as a Catholic Latina speaker as her mission year ends here in the next few weeks. She's also a female strategist with the Women's School, and she's passionate about human integration. Kiki, welcome to the show. It is so good to have you here. Thank you so much, Chloe. I am overjoyed to be here. It's been a dream in the making, really. Oh, I'm excited for our conversation today, and I'm really excited to get to know you and your story better. Um, In today's episode, we're going to be talking about what it looks like to heal from sexual abuse and breaking silence around a subject that isn't talked enough about. But to start, Kiki, can you start by sharing your story as a Catholic woman? Absolutely. So I think like a lot of us, I grew up being a creole Catholic um, and my mom, she had a reversion when I was around five, I'd say. And that's when she really went to town with taking us to mass and teaching us about God. But God didn't become real to me until, um, I'd say, my early 20s. That's when I experienced my reversion. Throughout my whole life, though, uh, he has been present in devotion, which I think is very common for a lot of Latinos. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like my conversion was only about five years ago, which is so crazy to say, um, knowing that I've gone through so much already. My journey with the Culture Project, as you mentioned, and I was also a missionary with Maggie's Place and um, worked at a pregnancy resource center. So it's just been such a joy to be here. Um, and I know that I'm not the only one who is a cradle Catholic and reverted <laughs> after college. Yeah, I think a lot of times when we think about conversions, it's it's easy to think of people who went from not being Catholic to converting and coming into the Catholic Church, uh, whether from another denomination or maybe they didn't even believe in God. But I think it's beautiful to hear stories from women who have a life of conversion that has those reconversion moments in it, because I'm the cradle Catholic too. And, and I love hearing stories of people who are in a similar, a similar boat. Absolutely. And I, you know, I have to say, like, when I reached out to you on um... And we'll get into this, I'm sure, <laughs> because I love I love all the questions that you asked me. One of the biggest reasons why I came back to the Catholic Church was because God really opened up my biggest wound, um, and it was in my biggest wound that He was dazzled by me, and um, He really glorified Himself through that and through the healing process. So this is why I'm here today. This is so good. I'm, I am honored. I'm so, I was so honored when you reached out to, and asked if, if this would be a good place to share your story. And I'm, I'm honored that we get to explore that together. Um, I love this phrase that he saw your, that he saw your deepest wounds and was dazzled by it. So let's, let's dive in there. Um, when you reached out, you shared your story of being a victim of sexual abuse. Can you share for us what being a victim of sexual abuse um, has looked like in your life and in your story? For me, uh, you know, I was I was a very naive little girl when it came to all things, you know, sexuality or romantic relationships. Um, and so as I as I grew up, you know, I was about eight years old when I actually found out that my stepfather, who had I had grown up with up to that point, 
of my life, um, and I thought that he was my biological father, I, I found out that he wasn't. And it was from finding my social security car, card on a coffee table and then seeing my actual legal name because on, on the school system, I had his last name. So I was so confused and the curious little girl that I was, I went up to my mom and I was, I was like, tell me what this is. What does this mean? Like, who is this imposter? And she, of course, was very scared about, you know, revealing this part of my life me and she kind of directed the attention to my stepfather he said when your stepfather comes he'll let you know so of course he came through the door and the first thing I asked him is can you please tell me what this is about so he puts me on his lap and my mom is there in the same room and they start telling me about um the true the true reality of my life the true story right behind who I am and they tell me you know Kiki um he says I wish that I was your father but I'm not your biological father. You have someone else as a biological father. And in that moment in time, I remember feeling a loss of identity and thinking, who am I? And it just goes to show how connected our identity is to our parents, right? So to make this story kind of short, um, I was eight years old at that time, and it took me about five years to really muster up the courage and work through a lot of insecurities that I was developing as I was growing up about my own self-image and self-worth um, and what my, my father would think of me, my biological father. So finally at 13, Chloe, I reached out to him and I sent him a letter and we agreed to meet. And I was so happy that this part of my life was finally unfolding. Um, this was in 2005, I believe, February 2005. I was, a, I was in seventh grade. By the end of my seventh grade year, he and I had kind of established a relationship of father-daughter. And all my heart desired, all my heart desired was a father. All my heart desired was identity. All I desired was to be the apple of his eye, just like any child uh, desires from his parents, you know. And that summer, what he gave me was an abuser, uh, was a betrayer, the, the very man who was put on this earth to guard my virtue, to protect my dignity, um, to be my provider. Oh my goodness. He ended up exploiting me. He ended up destroying me. Um, and so for the six years from that point on forward, he began to do all things to me um, to the point where he even stole my virginity, you know, and um, to the point where he had asked me to abort at one point. Thanks be to God, I didn't end up getting pregnant. But all of that I was going through my teenage years, um, and it, it completely was just such such a loss because it's supposed to be an age of um, you cementing your identity, right? Like, who am I at this age? Most kids are just going through the tumult of trying to integrate themselves into social circles or do their homework, and here I was experiencing this trauma. Because I think we, we all know that sexual abuse is not just sexual abuse. You know, if, if truly we, we, we know that the human being is composed of mind, body, and soul. I was, you bet, being abused in emotional ways, um, psychological ways, all the ways. Um, my whole life was stolen from me uh, from that point on. But, you know, I, I had to understand that, um, that I, I, I could choose to be a victim or I could choose to be a survivor who was resilient, you know, and overcame her wounds. So... I'll leave you at that. That is kind of how I, you know, sexual abuse touched my life and how it affected me. 
Thank you for sharing that. My heart, as I'm listening to this story, my heart's just breaking for you. This excitement of discovering this identity and of who you are and who your father is and for that to be just met with betrayal and abuse is just heart-wrenching. How did this abuse uh, at the hands of your dad affect your relationship with God? What did your prayer life look like, especially with this relationship of God as a father? How was that impacted with this relationship, with this abuse from your dad? Right. So I completely lost sight of my daughtership. I did not know who I was after that. I was reduced to an object of pleasure. Uh, I was really my father's uh, puppet. And so I, my self-worth was down in the gutter. And I began to materialize that in my actual relationships and how I encountered people and how I gave up myself. And I actually began a life of promiscuity. It was very low key though, because everybody in my family thought I was a a goody two shoes. My mom kind of suspected it, but like didn't, you know? And so all of that was um, something that really impacted me. And I began to stray away from, from God and, and, and praying to him. Uh, talking with him, I I really stopped kind of believing in God, really. I stopped going to Mass. Uh, So everything became more of a way to numb myself Mm -hmm. because in in seeing God, like, I first had to go through my father. Um, In order to be able to see God, I had to go through my father, the face of my father, because he's a a man that was put on this earth to to be the face of God for me, along with my mom, right? And so for me, that was extremely painful. And I deflected that. um, And I said, no, I don't want to go there. So for many years, including my years in college, I just stuffed all of my pain. And I, it's called cognitive dissonance too, if you, if you want to get nerdy. Um, But I just stuffed all my pain and I took on passive ways of healing. Um, And it it wasn't, it wasn't fruitful at all because it was still all there, you know, it was just stuffed up and, and I was just numb. When I finally came, came to terms, semi came to terms with what happened to me, I had kept it down, you know, under the carpet for about 10 years at that point. And it was a silent killer. I mean, I felt alone. I felt like shame was really pinning me to, to just be silent and to, to endure this by myself. It was a lonely, lonely road. Um, and it, I was dying inside. So finally, I realized, you know what? I know this much. I know that the first step to to a healing process is, is acknowledging, right? So I'm going to tell one of my closest friends. So I did. Um, but she she is not a practicing Catholic, nor is close to the Lord. At the time, I wasn't either. So all all she did was what she knew how to do, which was comfort me um, and cry with me, which was such a gift as well. Then thereafter, once I graduated from college, and um, I actually entered into my a new relationship it was in that new relationship that the lord really worked i mean goodness the guy and i we weren't chased at all but i realized that he was closer to what a normal relationship should be like between a woman and a man so it gave me a sort of courage to be able to get out of the black hole that my father had me in um and say no more like i am reclaiming part of my life you know, um, then thereafter, about two years later, so at this point, I was 23 or 24, I forget, I, um, I began working in a physical therapy gym. And I got with the same guy for a second time, Chloe. And it was in those the span of five months that God just like, he did wonders. Um, I realized that through this second time of getting together, that I had a codependent issue. 
the Lord just revealed it to me one day when I realized, oh, I'm looking at my calendar and what used to be a full calendar because I was just so independent and outgoing and I loved socializing became really, really empty because I'm putting myself at the disposal of my boyfriend, even though he's not asking this of me, but I was acting out of a wound. I was wanting to please. Um, and so once I saw myself as this codependent woman, I started to break down and, and the Lord just took that and just like dismantled my whole shell. He, he really opened the can of worms in my soul to be able to air it out and heal, you know, slowly but surely. I want to tell you about how, how that healing process really took off, um, if I may. Yeah, please do. <laughs> okay, so I, um, you know, came to the point where I felt like I couldn't even function anymore, okay, because I just woke up every day and there was this, this just like heavy knot in my chest that was overbearing. And I really do believe uh, in my heart of hearts that it was, it was um, a malignant spirit that was pestering me that probably was passed on because this, is, this was sin. This was ancestral sexual abuse, you know, and the Lord was trying to purify me and it was really hard. Um, so I endured a lot of anxiety and depression to the point where I told my mom, I don't think I can work anymore. But she was always rooting me on and she didn't quite know what was going on because, again, I kept it under the covers. During that time, as I was working at the physical therapy gym, I would spend my lunches uh, going out to churches and just crying in front of uh, God. Although I didn't know what I was doing, I thought, I'm just going to come here because it consoles me. I can cry alone um, and nobody will see my puffy face and my face full of snot. <laughs> so finally one day... Um, as I was going to this church, I remember my, one of my best friends at the time telling me, you know, Kiki, I just feel in my heart that your mom is going to be a vessel of healing and you have to tell her. And I said, no, I can never, never. That would break her heart. Because my mom at one point when I was 13, when the abuse had just started, she was very close to finding out when my father had me lie. So I knew that she was going to go back to that point in my, in my life as a child and think, man, I failed my daughter, you know, and I wanted to preserve her from that pain. So as I enter into this church, I'm sitting, I'm sitting down in one of the pews and I'm crying my eyes out. And I hear someone open the door to the church, um, the center aisle, and they're walking over and I hear the steps getting closer and closer to me and I'm just crying. And then they tap my shoulder and I look up and it's my mother. And I was just like, what? Like, how could this be? You know, same time, same place. I didn't even tell her I was going to be here. And, and she sat next to me and she said, Kiki, what happened? What's going on? And then I said to God really quick, I just looked at the tabernacle and I said, Lord, this is it, huh? Like, what a gift that you're asking me to, to tell her in front of you. Um, and I had prayed to, to the Virgin Mary to like help me find a way and a time. And again, divine providence provided, you know. And so I looked to my mother with my eyes just filled with tears um, and so puffy. And I, and, I, and I say to her, Mom, my dad sexually abused me. And that is all I said. And she looked at me in silence. And, and she hugged me and she said, it's not your fault. But she definitely was shocked. And from then on forward, my mom became a super mom. And she said, we're going to get you healing and we're going to get you well. We're going to get you to see a psychologist. Um, and it's going to be okay. And if you want to press charges, like we're going to deal with that. Okay. But first you have to get well. 
So it was then that I was able to really open up to the Lord um, and dismantle the shame that came with this lonely, lonely wound, you know, um, and, and feel like I had the support to meet the face of God the Father again. That that is how that is how it it, um, it came to it came to realization for me that like healing was possible. It is possible. It is possible to be resilient when it comes to sexual abuse. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. It's like the Lord holds your hand, Chloe, and He says, "Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk with you through these wounds, and we're gonna face them together." That's beautiful to hear your mom's role in this story of healing too just how she was able to come alongside you and I love this the a vessel of healing but oh my stars the vulnerability that it took to be able to share that with her geeky I I can I can just I, I can just imagine what that would be like for you really honestly I just I'm amazed at how God has made women you know I mean my poor mother I'm not a mother yet but you are Chloe and I'm sure a lot of our uh, listeners probably are mothers on just the heart of the mother, the strength of the feminine genius and the feminine heart. Like it does not look like a a man's and and it's not supposed to. I'm sure my mother, as she was embracing me and my sorrow and my pain, her heart broke, you know, and she too was needing to, to be um, embraced and, and healed. And she just recently told me this too. She said, you have no idea. Like I'm still healing from what your father inflicted upon you. Um, it's it's a wound I'm going to bear my whole life. Yeah, just the way that uh, there's this quote from Teresa Benedict of the Cross where she talks about how our hearts are made as places for people to unfold, to be themselves, to reveal those wounds, and to know that there's a place just to exist and rest. Um, and man, your mom did that so beautifully. Absolutely. I love her. She's so good. She's so good. Um, When we first talked, when we were talking over email, as we were getting this podcast episode set up, you shared your story and you mentioned that we we don't talk about this issue enough. And I think you're 100% correct. What is, what was it like to break the silence around this experience and share that story with others? I know you've mentioned, what was that like to share that with a friend? How, how do you recommend for women to find someone who they can who they can share vulnerably in a place where they know that they can be listened to and seen and known and loved? Perfect question. I would say pray in the Holy Spirit. Um, The Holy Spirit will let you know who the chosen person is because God will provide. And I think that looking back now, like if I had the tools that I do now for discernment, I would have definitely done things a little different, but that's okay. You know, I I learned and and I realized that um, you have to know by confirmation of the Holy Spirit if the person that you're thinking of sharing this with is in a place to receive this because this is like no light story, you know. Um, so can the person embrace all that I'm going to be telling them? Um, and also, can they can they help me maybe with some wisdom in, in guiding me? And if not that, then just the embrace is, is enough. You know, you need to know that you're not alone. So definitely, I would say pray to the Holy Spirit because that's whom led me um, from from the point forward of like when my mom found out and on. For women who are listening to this story, who have who know what this feels like because they too are um, a, a sexual abuse survivor, what would you want that listener to know? Oh my goodness, sister! If you are listening to this, if you have been sexually abused, if your dignity has been tainted by someone who just hasn't seen you as a child of God but a, an object of use. I just want to apologize, first of all, um, 
And second of all, I want to let you know that healing is very possible. Um, I know that it's hard to open your your heart to to what God wants to do because the purification process is um, it's just hard. You know, it is difficult to be vulnerable and dismantle the shame. But you can only dismantle shame through vulnerability. So, in knowing that there 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 is a community in your life who um, is willing to embrace that part of of your healing process and really willing to walk with you. Um, and, and I just know, I know that the Lord has made you resilient and he will give you the tools and the people along your path to help uplift you and really champion your healing because you are not the sin that was inflicted upon you. Um, it, it, will, it will make you, sister, because it has made me the woman that I am today. Um, but it has, it has broken me in some ways. But only, only to have God build me back up again stronger. You're not, you're not alone. You're not alone, and that's just so. That I think that resonates so much in this, in this story. Just to know that you're not by yourself, that you don't have to be lonely in this pain. Some listeners are not sexual abuse survivors themselves, but maybe they have a friend or a family member, someone close to them, someone they love. Maybe the Holy Spirit has put them in this place at this time to be that person um, for someone who comes to share their survival story. What can we do as people who are entrusted with this story to accompany someone who's a survivor of sexual abuse and support them? So as someone who wants to maybe accompany a survivor, I would definitely say be open to that person's unique journey because I have friends in my life who are also survivors and their journey of healing looks so different from mine. Um, I understand that every person is unique, you know, so each wound is unique. And um, in the journey, there can be healing and grace. And there can also be um, pain that is reopened, um, like triggers, you know, because it, it was trauma, it was traumatic. So if, if, if you really want to walk with the person, we have to be able to embrace the beautiful and the really ugly. Um, yeah, and it, and it really takes, again, Chloe, like a really special person to embrace, embrace a survival, um, a survivor of sexual abuse, because this is just like, it's a wound that really hits to the truth of our hum, our humanity, you know, our sexuality being so sacred. So, um, yeah, I would say absolutely embrace all that the person is uh, with no expectations. Be there as a resource, uh, be there as a prayer partner, be there as a supporter and a cheerleader. Yeah, this champion of healing. I love that phrase. I think that speaks to that role so beautifully. And just embracing the messy and the broken and the beautiful and just being there. I love how you spoke into how your friend who you shared this with, that she didn't have answers, but she just sat there and she was able to cry with you. And I think that's that's <laughs> yeah. so beautiful. It just reminds me of how... You know, in, in the story of Job, when Job's friends get it right is when they're not talking. They're just sitting with Job in the <laughs> silence and they're just existing with him and recognizing that, holy smokes, this is so hard and heavy and honoring that with a silence and with the shared, being able to share in that emotion. Um, I just think that's such a gift, especially I think that women have a beautiful ability to yeah to be that place just to be that place where you can just come and exist in all the wounds and and but then also be be that champion right that this there is healing here there's healing 
Oh, absolutely. And I know, you know, because women, we we talk so much that it might be hard for some of yes. us, but it is totally, totally doable. I promise you with the, the grace of God. We're taking a quick break for a word from today's sponsor, BetterHelp. Counseling requires you to dig into deep wounds and tackle difficult subjects as you work towards freedom and healing. You don't have to try to find healing on your own. There are resources, help, and support to help you find healing. And one of those resources is counseling and therapy. Getting face-to-face counseling can be intimidating for some people. And if the anxiety of this encounter is holding you back from beginning your journey, you may want to pursue another form of counseling where you can meet with a therapist digitally. If this sounds like it could be a resource for you, you should check out BetterHelp. They're making professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient, so anyone who struggles with life's challenges can get help anytime, anywhere. BetterHelp will assess your needs and path to healing and match you with a licensed professional therapist and start communicating in under 24 hours. With BetterHelp, you can log into your account at any time and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions all from your own front room. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit trybetterhelp.com slash LTW. That's trybetterhelp slash LTW. Think letters to women. And join over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Letters to Women listeners get 10% off your first month at trybetterhelp.com slash LTW. That's trybetterhelp.com slash LTW. Let's get back to our conversation with Kiki about healing from abuse and supporting sexual abuse survivors. Kiki, how did... Was it what was it like working for the Culture Project too? Because I love how you're speaking into this is a wound that that is so deep because it hits at our identity, who we are, and I think the Culture Project does such beautiful work about restoring what it means to to have dignity and to have an identity in Christ. What was that like to work, to be on mission with them? I know you're you're wrapping up your season with them, but what was what was that experience like for you? Oh my goodness, Chloe! It it has been such um, a gift. It has been so formative for me and so healing to be, first off, um, embraced and supported by a community who is striving for virtue and who can see that we are all imperfect, but we're all meant for perfection, (laughs) you know? And so it's just like this, like the irony of being human. Um, So I completely love that. And I just, I'm so in love with the mission of restoring the culture to be fully alive again through, um, you know, human encounter, through talking about the the biggest wounds in our culture right now, which is human dignity, right? And, that, and at the root of that, like, our sexual integrity. And that's really, like, in the talks that I would give the girls, like, of, of the chastity talks, those were talks and reminders for myself. Each time that I gave that talk, I envisioned, um, you know, little girl Kiki sitting in front of me and listening to this. Because we all have a, a child in, in, inside of us, a, a wounded child, you know, um, that, that needs healing. And um, it, it, it's been such a good ritual for me to, like, even just envision myself there, receiving all that, all the grace from God and knowing, like, hey, like, God is out of time. Like, he can do anything, you know. Uh, who am I to limit him? So I think, yes, it has been extremely formative. And, and, I'll, and I'll add on top of that. Um, I know that being a woman and being sexually abused, especially if it was, you know, through the hands or, yeah, just through a man, um, I think I understand how it can be 
very hard to open up yourself to men again. And I and I say that for me, my experience with the culture project has been healing for that reason because the men that are in the culture project, the staff and the missionaries, um, they gosh, they're so good. They're they're always um, doing their best to honor uh, the dignity of women, <laughs> including that starts with their teammates, you know, and their family, um, striving for virtue, serving us speaking words of affirmation in life to us, and most of all, loving Jesus so that they can love us better. So for me, you know, Chloe, like overall, like I had this loss of just like what a father is, you know, and um, and God has blessed me with really good men in my life that have been with me for a season, that are still with me, that have all restored my heart um, back to like, you know, its totality little by little. And I'm in no rush because I'm just enjoying the process. (laughs) I love that line. I'm in no rush. I'm just enjoying the process. Oh, Kiki, that's beautiful. And I think it speaks so beautifully into what it means to heal, how healing's not on our own timeline and how if we are receptive and we allow the Lord to heal us, it it doesn't look like what we expected, but he redeems all. And it's so good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) We were just scratching the surface of, of your story and all of the things that you're passionate about and you speak so beautifully about and into. So for listeners who want to get to know you better, where can they find you online? Absolutely. So I have two Instagram accounts. One is for my speaking account uh, or for my speaking engagements, I mean, and you can find me at Kiki the Brave. Kiki the Brave. And then for um, my other account, that is where I work my business in helping women with their self-worth and their health and wellness. And that is at the Glorious Brave Woman. So I'd be happy to connect with them there and just create a community of loving sisters. And if I just may add something else, Chloe, that I think is really important for our listeners to know, um, these are just some options for them as, as a way to heal. For me, it was really important to know that God works through the supernatural and he works through the natural, right? The supernatural being the sacraments, of course, being just like the summit of grace here on earth and of healing. Um, so, of course, go to Mass to receive Jesus as much as you can in order to be able to get those healing graces. But if you can, if there is a, a priest available, I know we're under COVID, you know, uh, restrictions, but hopefully in time that will be lifted. Um, please look into general confession. A general confession is just so, so uh, liberating. And then on the natural level, I suggest any listeners to really research EMDR therapy, which is um, therapy for PTSD, any type of trauma, really. It really helped me. Another resource that I also want to share is the, um, the most recent retreat that I went to about two years ago called Grief to Grace, which is for sexual abuse survivors and actual perpetrators which I think is very different, right? Um, but it, wow, it was just, it was so good for me because I didn't realize that um, my healing wasn't over. And <laughs> I thought, oh, I arrived. And it was there that I realized, wow, but there is so much anger in my heart still. And it was so good to unlock that. So yes, overall, um, you guys can find me in those two platforms on Instagram. And I would love, love, love to have you guys reach out if you have any other questions. It has been an honor to hear this story, to hear your story. I, when we were getting ready to press record, you had this you had this beautiful line where you said every woman has a letter on her heart. And this one is mine. And it, oh, man, what an honor to hear this. So thank you for trusting me with this story. Well, Chloe, you are such a gift. Thank you for 
creating a platform for, for women to share their stories. It is powerful and it's changing the world. Kiki, the last question that I ask any woman who comes on the show as we we explored, what does this feminine genius mean? What does it mean to live it in our daily life is this one. Kiki, how do you live out the feminine genius as a woman um, who's healing and survive, who's a survivor of abuse, but also helping women find redemption and hope in their own story? Yeah. You know, I want to say, Chloe, that I am still learning and I will always be a learner throughout my whole lifetime, I'm sure, because I just love it. Um, I, I haven't arrived yet, but what I do know is that currently I'm discovering the the power of the feminine heart, like I mentioned earlier, and knowing that through my wounds, the Lord is most glorified because I can choose, sisters, to be a wounded wounder or a wounded healer. And it's when I authentically receive the gift of my feminine genius, right? All that comes with it, the receptivity, the, the love, the nurturing, the protection, the guidance, all that comes with it. And for me, really, it is a responsibility to steer it well, to be a good steward of it. So for me, it's a constant becoming. And that really is virtue. Um, that's virtue through the feminine genius. And I try and do that with each person that I encounter. But I'm very, very passionate about women, especially young women, knowing their worth and the value in living a life of chastity. So that is how I'm discovering um, how the Lord is using me to to just like really cement um, the power of the feminine genius in each one of um, the women women's hearts. You know, that's so good. Thanks so much for sharing that. That's one of my one of my favorite questions to ask women, and that was just such a beautiful way to speak into it. So thank thank you for for leaning in to the feminine genius, and I thank you for all the women that you are serving and speaking to. Um, yeah, and for sharing your story. This has been a beautiful conversation. Oh, Chloe, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Letters to Women. Head over to my blog, oldfashionedgirlblog.com and access the show notes for this week's episode. There you'll find links to Kiki's social media accounts as well as access to the resources that we mentioned in our episode together. If you listen to Letters to Women and you enjoy the conversations that we have on this podcast, could you do me a favor and rate and review this podcast on iTunes? Ratings and reviews help other women discover this, these conversations and know that they're not alone. That's all I have for this week's episode. Make sure to subscribe to Letters to Women on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss a new episode. Until next time, be not afraid.